Welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. This week, we're back with our new book club selection, Your Song Changed My Life by Bob Boylan. And before we dig into that, I just want to remind you all that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. So that includes this, the Modern Vinyl podcast, Pilot Study, and the Vinyl Crawl. But before we get started, Megan is going to go ahead and introduce our guest because for the first time in a while, we have a third host now. So, Megan, why don't you go ahead? Yes. So, we've got Abby Kruthoffer. Hoping I'm saying your name right. Yeah. Nailed it. All right. That's good. And she is actually one of the newest modern vinyl writers. And I'm pretty sure that based on reading her bio for the site, she is the youngest <laughs> writer for the site. So James can't exactly hold that post anymore. It's true. I beat him. <laughs> so with that said, she has a Goodreads account, and I noticed on Twitter that she was reading the same book that we were reading for this episode, and I thought I should be like, hey, you want to come be on our podcast and talk about the book with us? Because that would actually be pretty rad. So there's And that. here she is. Yep. <laughs> Yes, I am ready to discuss this book. I like this book a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of a consensus between the three of us that we all really enjoyed this book. And Megan, I know you were the one who told me about it. And like I mentioned in the previous podcast you and I did, you actually sent me a copy of it because you ended up with two of them. So I didn't have to, you know, pay for the book. I just paid you for shipping. Yeah. I mean, you got to love publishing company errors when they think they sent you the wrong book and they just send you the same book twice. Definitely. So we're going to go ahead and jump into our discussion now. And Abby, since you are the guest, why don't you go ahead and go first and give us some of your overall thoughts about the book? Okay. Yeah. Um. So I picked up this book because you guys did recommend it on the last episode and I thought I'd keep up. Um, and I really wanted to read it because it was full of artists that I was actually interested in. I feel like there are books similar that um, I just don't really care about the artist. But, I mean, obviously, this guy's got a lot of connections with his job. So he has the ability to really interview some of these heavy hitters, but also a lot of um, up-and-coming people in the music scene. So, yeah, and I really like the format. Um Every chapter is just a different artist, and it's, like, a few pages. You can just stop and go whenever you want. And it just really gave, like, a really good insight into who these artists were and, like, their musical backgrounds, because I feel like we don't necessarily get that too much when, you know, we're busy listening to their music and they're busy making their own music. So, plus it gave them a chance to, like, reflect on their musical history. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, each chapter being a different artist. And despite that, because, you know, a lot of the chapters were less than 10 pages. So, you know, he had, I believe it was 35 artists in there. And even though there were so many different people from so many different genres or even mm -hmm. decades of music, 
the book still had a really good flow to it. And I really feel like that's because of how he integrates the interviews into his writing. So it doesn't feel, you know, like a choppy book, kind of like our last selection when we read Chuck Klosterman House. It was completely different to the point where, yes, it had some flow, but it was on completely different topics. But since, you know, this was the same, I felt like it really was able to keep a good flow to it. And it was pretty easy of a book to get through, which is always, you know, good, unlike the book I'm reading right now, which is, well, one of four books I'm reading right now, which is Infinite Jest. That is not a breeze to get through. I've only made it like 50 pages. Yeah, this was definitely pretty chill. Yeah. And that's what makes it nice. Like, in a way, if you're familiar with Bob Boylan, he is the host of NPR Music's All Songs Considered. And it kind of reads a little like an episode of All Songs Considered, or even kind of like The World Cafe with David Dye, which is also another NPR Music production. Both shows definitely tend to focus more on the artists and where they get their inspiration from, and it's really awesome to actually see it in print form. Right. And -hmm. I don't know if both of you noticed this, but I did see a lot of the artists talking about Bob Dylan specifically, and I was sort of surprised by that. I don't know if maybe it's just because I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan. And Megan, I know you feel differently than I do about this, but what were your thoughts kind of on how much of an influence Bob Dylan seemed to have on such a wide variety of artists? Me or Abby? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I I meant you because you have a very different view on Bob Dylan than I do. And I know you and I discussed this a little (laughs) See, this is what happens when we're not used to having a third host. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, no, I think it's great. Bob Dylan is definitely one of those polarizing artists where you either really love him or you really just can't stand him. There's really no middle ground. Technically, you could say that Jacob Dylan, his son with the wallflowers, could kind of be that middle ground, but that's a completely different person. So anyway, I like that his influence spans not only across many different genres, but it spans across many different decades. Right. I mean, how many compilations are out there right now dedicated to Bob Dylan that are cover songs? There is Listen to the Music of Bob Dylan, which came out a few years ago and I think had some part with Doghouse Records. And a lot of indie artists were on there. Or maybe some more not quite household... um, alternative names but were still pretty popular back in the day like something corporate the format steel train and it was a two cd set that was great and then amnesty international also a few years ago did instant no i'm thinking of the john lennon comp right there my bad (laughs) but there is actually a bob dylan compilation that amnesty international put together similar to the instant karma one which focused on the music of john lennon but this Bob Dylan one. Now I have to look it up. It's going to bother me what it's called. <sighs> Go figure. But it actually <laughs> features different artists that you wouldn't expect to cover a Bob Dylan song. For example, or, wow, example, Silverstein is on this compilation. And this also features Kesha and <laughs> Miley Cyrus. And as much as a non- Miley Cyrus fan that I am her cover actually isn't terrible and Kesha's cover is 
just beautiful. She did that it's, live it's wonderful. recently, I think. Yeah, Chimes of Freedom. There we go. That is what it's called. And this one, it's 50 years of amnesty, which is really cool. So it came out in 2012. Artists like Raphael Sadiq are on here, Rise Against, Pete Townsend, Brett Denon, who's one of my favorites. Um, let's see. Sting, Mark Knopfler. Ooh, I just accidentally opened a music video on my phone. Lenny Kravitz. It definitely, you can see. Oh, and actually Jackson Brown is on this compilation. And I do believe he has a chapter in the book. Yeah. So, oh, and Jack's mannequin is on this compilation. <laughs> You know, have to drop that. And oh, right, uh, my chemical romance's cover of Desolation Row, which was on the Watchmen soundtrack, is actually on this compilation. Nice. So it's it spans different genres, and I think importantly to talk about him is his songwriting style. Mm -hmm. Sure, a lot of his songs were folksy protest songs back in sixties and seventies, but as he's gotten older. They've definitely taken a style all their own, which I think is great. Even though, yeah. you know, apparently seeing him live isn't the greatest and he just doesn't sound like himself anymore. But <laughs> that's what happens yes. when you age. <laughs> so before we hop off the Bob Dylan train here, Abby, how do you feel about Bob Dylan as an artist? Kind of what side of this do you fall on? Do you listen to him, enjoy him, or do you just not really pay attention to him like I do? Um, yeah, it's kind of a not really, I have a couple of his albums, but I don't, I just, I feel like you're either in it or you're just like completely oblivious and it doesn't right. necessarily mean that you don't like him. You just don't know. And I definitely think it's the songwriting that people get, um, interested in, especially with these artists. I mean, they write, and I don't remember exactly all the artists who they were that picked out, um, Bob Dylan as their, um, inspiration or whatever, but. I mean, like you said, spanning across all genres. So I think it's fundamentally a songwriting thing more so than the folksy protest song thing. Yeah. And even though, you know, I don't listen to Bob Dylan or anything, it's not that, you know, I don't respect him or what he's done for right, music. Right. It's just mm -hmm. something that isn't my thing. Yeah, and totally. there are plenty of, you know, big artists who have made all these sweeping changes in music that I don't necessarily listen to because, you know, not everyone listens to an artist just because they're big and popular and everything or because mm -hmm. they made these big changes. So I think it really shows, you know, how many people do appreciate what Bob Dylan did. And I know in some of the chapters here, you could tell which people were not wanting to choose necessarily one specific song. I don't recall necessarily mm -hmm. whose chapters they were, but, you know, you have these artists and it's probably really hard for them to pick, you know, that one song that really changed everything for them. Because I'm sure as all three of us know, sometimes it's just a certain time in music that changes things. This is true. And actually, I did make note of that. He focused in the last chapter on Fantastic Negrito. Who I had never who, heard of. No, which he actually is pretty new in the world of music. He yeah. was the winner of the first ever Tiny Desk Concert Contest. And his story just captivated the judges. They loved his voice. And what was interesting was that he didn't have a song in particular 
that really changed his life. I mean, he came from a pretty rough background. Right. And he's overcome a lot. And the artist that he chose was actually Prince. And what I noticed was in that chapter when Dove's Cry was definitely mentioned a lot. And I think, no, that was in a modern vinyl thing that I wrote where I talked about the influence of Prince. (laughs) But it just goes to show that even an artist like Prince can still, even though he is dead and Bob Dylan is not, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think that's an important distinction right there. He will still continue to influence bands and influence artists and influence everyone for years to come, which I guess is also technically the uh, effect of being dead. (laughs) True. And Abby, I know you said you also had not heard of this artist. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought about him ending the book with this artist, an artist that maybe a lot of people have never heard of I personally thought it was a little bit of a strange choice I maybe would have put him basically anywhere but first or last because I feel like with a book like this you kind of really want to start and finish with those big artists that people are going to know and then Mm -hmm. maybe put some of the lesser known ones like Fantastic Negrito somewhere in the middle or even you know third to last or second to last or something like that so what did you think about that decision to put him last yeah i did think it was a weird choice i remember flipping to the last chapter a couple times just seeing like seeing who who i was you know coming up to um and i was like i have no idea who this person is and i started reading (laughs) the story and i was kind of interested i feel like maybe it would have worked as like a first chapter um simply because of um this guy's background and right. I think him winning the Tiny Desk concert was um, a kind of played a part in Bob even mentioning him at all. Yeah. And maybe I would have put Jimmy Page last. I don't know. I feel, yeah, I totally know what you're getting at. Um, I feel like he wanted to make an impact with that particular chapter and just like kind of get the word out about him, maybe. And that's kind of his way of doing it. But I think I would have switched him and Jimmy Page. Right. Megan, did you think this was a weird choice at all? You know what? I don't really think so. And I'm probably in this group, like the outlier here, because I did make note that in the introduction, Bob actually uses the introduction to bring his story into light, bring what song changed his life and talk about how he got started and how he got to where he is today. And I remember that in that introductory chapter, he did talk about Uh, the creation of the Tiny Desk concerts and how Tiny Desk got its name. And to end on a, to end a whole book on a chapter about someone who won a Tiny Desk concert, I kind of see how that flows. It's just you start something and then you end something. And he definitely went and revisited a little in that last chapter before getting into the story of Fantastic Negrito. Yeah, I totally get that because I feel like um, it kind of comes full circle. And I mean, this book is about these individual artists, and, but it's also about the concept of songs changing your life. And it's a little bit, um, there are some moments of like autobiographical things going on here because Bob does like tie a lot of these artists back to his own personal story. And I felt like the intro was really strong um, when he kind of shared his own personal experience because everybody has these experiences, whether they're Jimmy Page or they're us talking on this podcast so Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i i see what you're saying megan about how it 
flows with when you compare it to the introduction and Bob's perspective. Which I think it's a nice touch. Yeah, and uh, speaking of nice touches, I thought that putting lyrics into certain chapters was pretty useful, especially when it was songs I wasn't necessarily super familiar with. I know he didn't do it for every chapter either, so it's like he kind of knew when to use them and when it wasn't really necessary. And I just thought, you know, that was doing something a little extra other than, you know, just putting in the interviews he did and then just writing about that. So I think he really did put a lot of effort into making each chapter and each artist tailored the right way for that conversation. This is true. And actually, I just flipped through the book a little. Dave Grohl's chapter doesn't actually have lyrics in it. Right. Which it's Dave Grohl. He can have a story without lyrics about a song. I think his is also one of the few chapters that actually just talks about different bands as well. Yeah. But of course he has to include Dave Grohl in this book. I mean, (laughs) come on. There's too much history with him and the DC scene in Virginia, which I'll go into a little more detail a little later. Yeah. So I know a lot of the artists I was familiar with, but even for the ones that I wasn't, it was still really interesting to me because you were getting these little glimpses into these artists' lives, basically, and how they became who they are now as, you know, singers, musicians, whatever. And to me, it was just really interesting how all of these people are essentially doing the same job, but they came about it completely different ways for each of them. Yeah, this is I, true. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. I would, I wasn't familiar. I was fami- unfamiliar with like a handful. Like I knew who they were, but I didn't necessarily know their music. Right. And I still wanted to read about it because I was still interested in where they were coming from. And I love how um, a lot of the selections, I would say about half were completely unexpected. Maybe even over half. Um, they, I think twice West Side Story came up. Um, with two different artists, and I thought that was bizarre. I had, yeah, I didn't. That was just like that wouldn't even come to mind. It, any type of musical, but that was really interesting to me. It also kind of makes me wonder how many artists he actually interviewed, because obviously he's interviewed tons and tons of artists over the years, just from you know his various jobs being at NPR and that sort of thing. But to pick thirty-five that are so different and yet so similar in some respect is really interesting and you know like we mentioned earlier with a lot of people picking Bob Dylan I wonder if maybe you know he he picked those artists for a specific reason and wanted to show how many people could be inspired in different ways by the same artist so I'm really curious to kind of know how many artists he actually interviewed versus how many made the cut in the book or if he only interviewed these 35 people specifically for the book, you know? Yeah, that that would be interesting. It is an interesting thing, but I think that out of his whole All Songs Considered thing, he definitely has just a plethora of artists to choose from. I think it was who he thought was most relevant for this day and age, maybe. I mean, to feature Yonzi, um, for example, I think that's a little interesting. 
But to feature bands or artists like Colin Malloy, who, interestingly enough, his chapter did not read like the 33 and a third that I read a few months ago that he wrote. Um, There were still similar themes from that 33 and a third book about the replacements, but it was it was a little different. Right. I kind of liked it. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. Yeah. So I guess before, you know, we start wrapping this up and giving our overall thoughts on it. What were your guys's favorite chapters? Abby, I know you mentioned not knowing necessarily every artist, and I think that's the same for all of us, but what were some of your favorite chapters in this? Um, my favorite chapters probably had to do with my favorite artists on here simply because uh it gave me more insight into their the the music that they make themselves. Um, so I was really into Carrie Brownstein's chapter cuz she's incredible. Um, I've been getting into St. Vincent lately, so I thought that was really interesting about her whole thing with Pearl Jam, right? which would I would not have expected. Um, Dave Grohl, of course. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Yeah, the um, two Icelandic, uh, which was kind of like an interesting uh, thing that he had going for those two chapters right in a row. Um, that right. was like a, a whole other thing that was totally new to me um and courtney barnett i'm really into her right now so i liked uh i like that chapter a lot nice and megan what were some of your favorites some of my favorites i absolutely love the jenny lewis chapter and also because it's a song choice that just seems kind of weird for jenny lewis Mm -hmm. it was a Mm -hmm. see i don't want to Fudge this, but I'm pretty sure it was a Run DMC song. Let's see. Yeah. Was on <laughs> the whole chapter is about hip hop. Yeah. Ah, here we go. Jenny Lewis. Yes, it is actually a Run DMC song called Peter Piper. Yeah, and... I thought that was a really interesting chapter, too, just because Run DMC wasn't necessarily an artist that I thought would be in this book based on, you know, the list of artists that. He interviewed because surprisingly enough, you know, he didn't interview any hip hop artists. I don't think it's a lot more in the rock and folk and pop world and that sort of thing. Um, I think it was more R&B, too. If we go with Smokey Robinson. Right. Mm, yeah, I don't think he did interview any. Nope, I'm not seeing any. Because it's more blues, R&B. That's about it. Yeah. So I also really like that chapter just because it was totally different from you know everyone else's answer i know and you wouldn't expect her to say that i think that's awesome but oh right yes another one of my favorites is hosier and not just because i refer to him as future husband hosier and have since before he really blew up anyway (laughs) can't deny that he is an attractive man (laughs) but he's definitely one of the more foreign artists a lot right. of these are American artists, well-known in America. And, I mean, everyone knows Hozier for Take Me to Church. Yeah. But it's how an American artist helped him kind of redefine his sound. And I thought it was interesting that it was... Let's see, where is it? He mentions John Lee Hooker, Muddy Waters, and Tom Waits. And, of course, in this chapter also references to his song work song his being hosier's not like tom waits or anything and it's talking about the kind of protest song and i mean 
work song is of very, very important because he says a lot of Irish folk songs were written about women, but they're deliberately, deliberately representative of Ireland because it was illegal for a long, long time to write songs about loving Ireland, like nationalistic songs were banned outright, which is weird. But it also ties back to an Ashling, which is a lyrical form in Ireland, which is pretty cool. And otherwise, you know, I, of course I would like the newer artists, but going off of that, I mentioned the DC thing. What I really loved about this book is that a lot of the interviews talked about where artists have performed, like Cat Power at the Sixth and I Synagogue in DC, or even having a picture of the artist and mentioning that they played at the Lincoln Theater in DC or the 930 Club, or even the Black Cat, as was the case with Courtney Barnett. Actually, she gets mentioned with the 930 Club and the Black Cat. But those are important because DC has such a cultured, beautiful history with music. I mean, of course, that's why Ian McKay and Dave Grohl are in here. They're part of that. But right. these venues themselves are historic. Like the U Street Corridor has the Black Cat, has 930 Club, has the U Street Music Hall. Sixth and I Synagogue is a little further down, not really in that area, as is the Lincoln Theater. But it's important to weave this narrative about some of these iconic places. And of course, it's easier for him to get to because, well, the NPR headquarters is in D.C. So they always do live concert streams from the 930 Club, like they did with Slater Kinney last year, I think it was. It was right after Carrie Brownstein's book came out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Maybe this is just me loving D.C. so much <laughs> and not just because I'm in the area, but because you can't really have a book about, well, artists without mentioning the significance of some of these venues and the significance of even venues in New York City or the Newport Folk Fest, which is currently going on and definitely got a few mentions in this book since it leans heavier on folk artists. And it makes me wonder if he's actually going to write another book, going back to our discussion of how do you choose 35 artists. Maybe he'll throw in another book focusing on a different group of artists, maybe in a different subgenre or even a completely different genre than what's listed in this book. Yeah, and kind of going off of that, I just wanted to know if either of you were really familiar or followed Bob Boylan before this. Megan, I know you've talked about NPR off and on here and there with me, but Abby, were you aware of Bob and everything he did over at NPR and all of his, you know, writing and that sort of stuff before reading this book? No, I, well, I subscribe to the All Songs Considered podcast, but I kind of don't I don't listen to it every every time it's uploaded it's just when I'm interested in something and I right. saw his um thing he, well they like represented him on the Simpsons uh so that was hilarious but other than that I knew nothing about him until I read this book which I thought f found really interesting and going back to the DC thing I've I've got family in DC and stuff and I I've been there a couple times but I had no idea like I heard about the 930 Club, of course, but this book gave me a lot of insight into, like, 
the music scene there. And that was really interesting to me because I don't think of DC as... I mean, every city has, you know, a music scene, but it was really, like, emphasized throughout the whole book. Didn't matter, like, who the artist was that he was talking to. It was kind of, like, always there, whether it just be, like, the caption of the photo at the beginning of the chapter. But um, I thought that was really neat to read about. Yeah, and like you, I kind of didn't know a whole lot about him. I was like, that name looks familiar. Okay, NPR, yeah, I know that, and I know that. But I guess I never realized he did these things. I've just always seen them as an NPR thing, not necessarily by the person who does them. And Megan, what were your thoughts on, you know, Bob doing a book like this, since you seem to be more familiar? Oh, I was ecstatic. As soon as I found out he wrote a book, I immediately pre-ordered it. (laughs) Right. And was this his first book? It is his first book. And that's, there was a lot of fanfare behind it too, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. So do you think we'll be seeing more books for him or from him in the future? I hope so. He is a legend within the music community. And I mean, his interviews, he's one of my idols. When I go out and interview bands, I kind of think one day I'm going to hear this band talked about on All Songs Considered or mentioned on NPR Music somehow. And that'll be my six degrees of separation with Bob Boylan until the day that I hopefully get to meet him, which would be cool. I'd love that. You just have to go find him at a DC show. Yeah, True. he's almost to like 600 a year. You got your chances. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, I know someone who was an All Songs intern, and he had all sorts of great things to say about Bob and just how awesome but yet slightly ridiculous it is that he goes to all of these shows every year right it's just how does he keep track i was doing the math on that and i just like couldn't even like goals yeah i mean really it's and the fact that it's if you've listened to all songs considered and you've heard maybe some of their live streams like i talked about the newport Newport. Wow. Uh, The Newport Folk Festival. That gets streamed certain sets from NPR because it's a huge, huge festival up in Newport, Rhode Island. One year I will go. This year was not the year. So I missed out on Ryan Adams doing a bluegrass cover set of uh, Slayer songs, Um, (laughs) which is weird, but sounds awesome. But also a lot of the shows from the 930 Club. You would think that the 930 Club would be this huge, huge venue in D.C., but it's actually really small. And, I mean, I'm going to go to more shows there in the future, not just the two reunion shows that I have been to. But I was actually pleasantly surprised to learn that it's small. It's intimate. I mean, it's actually a tiny bit smaller than the Chameleon Club out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So to put that into perspective, that this club, or yeah, that this club is smaller than a pretty, pretty solid, like mid-sized music venue in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, that's, that says a lot right there, but they get the big names and it's just incredible to see how they transform the club for each show. Yeah. 
Well, why don't we go ahead and wrap this up with some final thoughts. Megan, obviously, you have been a fan of his for a while. And personally, I would definitely read another book by him. And I'm kind of more intrigued in what he's done with NPR. So I'm probably going to have to, you know, go back and find some of the previous work he's done and that sort of thing. And, you know, check out some more of his interviews, check out All Songs Considered, which I think I have checked out once or twice But because of the insane amount of podcasts I already listen to, I'm always not wanting to add even more. And I know, you know, All Songs Considered is on a very regular schedule and everything. So maybe like what Abby did, I'll have to go check it out here and there. But Abby, what were your overall thoughts on the book? Did you like it? Would you read something by him again? Yeah, definitely. I was as I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, he could continue this kind of thing for as long as he wanted. I mean, the the possibilities are endless in terms of who all he can interview. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed reading this, and I really enjoyed the artists that he picked, and I really enjoyed the way he um, wrote about them and the sort of fondness that he expressed for everybody that he interviewed and all the music that they all shared together. I thought that was just like a really neat concept. And I definitely, um, definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. And Megan and I both really want to thank you for coming on as our first, you know, book club guest. We weren't entirely sure how this would go because like (laughs) Megan said, it's been her and I for at least a handful of episodes or just myself and someone that I'm interviewing and whatnot. So it turned out all right, as yeah, far as I can tell. Back in the flow of things with three people. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. This is really cool. Yeah, no problem. And Megan, do you want to let our listeners know what our next selection is? Oh, yes. If you caught our tweet earlier today where I threw up the awesome having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card gift from Arthur. <laughs> I mean, really, it's wonderful. Um, I went to the library today to get a library card in my respective hometown because I don't actually own our next pick and the library it's currently checked out. So our next pick is actually a listener recommendation from Love Songs blog, right? Um, If this is right, it's in our notes. Yes. Let's hope I'm not just like quoting some random not person that anyway, but we will be reading The Song Machine by John Seabrook and like your song changed my life. It's a fairly new book. It came out in 2015 and it's about pop music. Yeah. And this is one I've had on my list for a while. So I was kind of glad when a listener recommended it to us because I was like, oh, you know what? I have this sitting on my Kindle and I have yet to read it. So this gives me the perfect excuse to do that. And, you know, as usual, before we go, we're going to have some recommendations for you. But I just wanted to ask you, Abby, real quick, what have you been listening to lately that you think our listeners should check out? Oh, um, hmm, let me check my recently added music real quick. Oh, um, <laughs> just so I could put you on the spot, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Broad City. I don't know if you guys are into that, but they the guy yes. who does the guy who does the music for that his his name um is like Matt FX. He's a genius. So I've been really getting into some hip hop stuff, um, particularly MIA. Um, but I've also found this band called The Shelters, and they're kind of. I just get a lot of like Rolling Stones vibes from them, and it's kind of um, 
It's kind of like a refreshing sort of new take on it. So um, they have like a, their self-titled album just came out. So I would check that out. Awesome. And Megan, I know you have a music recommendation this week as well. I think we have music recommendations all the way around for once. You know, I'm not over here screwing it up with uh, (laughs) some Netflix or Star Wars or comics or what have you. (laughs) And I'm not over here screwing it up with food or apps. Um, Although I will say that in my Pokemon Go adventures, I have hatched an Onyx and I'm very excited about that. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, yes, let's go back to music. I am recommending His Golden Messenger for you guys this week. I actually saw His Golden Messenger at Red Wing, Red Wing Roots. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> uh, at that festival a few weekends ago. And they weren't on my list of bands to really go see. So I kind of went into the set not knowing what to expect. But I was completely blown away and I really liked it. And I'm kind of seeing more of them. And they're a folk rock group. They are based out of North Carolina, and I think that they're a band that you guys are going to definitely be seeing a lot more of as the months go by. And they're on Merge Records, which is pretty cool. Nice. And I kind of struggled with a recommendation this week just because I feel like I have been so behind on listening to new new music that I haven't had to review over on Hi-Fi Noise or, you know my insane amount of podcasts that I've been listening to and always listen to or reading, you know, four books at once because I've clearly lost my mind. So I decided to go with something that I did recently listen to, which I finally listened to the Middens EP by Frank Turner. And I feel like he's an artist that I've always just enjoyed anything he's put out. Basically, I don't know if there's been a Frank Turner song I have heard and haven't liked yet. So definitely check that out. Like I mentioned, it's an EP, so it's nice and short. You won't have to spend, you know, too much time on it. It's not like some hour-long epic record that you have going on there. Although if it was, I would still listen to that and probably recommend that. So thanks again to Abby for coming on this week. And like Megan mentioned, our next pick will be... The Song Machine by John Seabrook. Is that correct? Did I say that right? I believe so. Okay. I mean, it's about pop music (laughs) and why it's so gosh darn gosh. I'm going to try to say like a Southern thing here. So I'm like, oh my God, whatever. Gosh dang catchy. There we go. (laughs) Try not to say goddamn on the air, but I did anyway. (laughs) But yes, pop music, song machine. Why, you know, manufactured pop music. Maybe it'll talk about Taylor Swift. Maybe it'll talk about her downfall. It won't talk about her downfall, but I can dream. (laughs) You're too late on that. (laughs) Somebody should write a book about that. All right, Megan, you and I, let's get on this. Yes. Hey, I'm, I'm all for this. All right. Well, as always, thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.